So last week we talked about the giver of the gifts, the Holy Spirit, the one who, who gave to all believers a gift or a series of gifts to use them for a purpose. Today we're going to focus on the use of those gifts. Uh, it might not actually be what you think we're going into. And we're not going to get into some of the murky, deep waters of, of the discrepancies in gifts. That's more next week. So if you are intrigued with that, come on back. We will have a fantastic discussion. Today we're going to talk about the general use of and tied with use of is purpose of gifts. Why do we have them? What are we to do with them? I grew up on a horse ranch. Horses were our thing. I rode my first horse before I could do much else. I could walk, but that was about it. I broke my first horse when I was, I think, eight. I got bucked off my first horse before I can remember. I've taken more spills and dumps. I remember trying to catch my horse one time. It kicked me right in the chest. It was a small horse. And by that, I mean it was a small horse. I thought it was a big horse. It was a full-grown quarter horse, which is a big, strong horse. And, and I thought that until the camp that we went to bought Clydesdales. <laughs> Those were a different breed of big horse. And we learned something interesting. If you take a horse, any sort of draft horse, a regular horse, it really doesn't matter. The, the numbers will change, but the idea holds the same. If you take a horse and you have them pull a wagon on skids, a horse can pull roughly 600 pounds, between six and 800 pounds. And if one horse can pull about 600 pounds, two horses can pull about, you're right, 1,800 pounds. The math doesn't work, but the working together of, oh, the math does work. It's a joke. Nobody caught that. The math always works. It doesn't quite make sense to us intuitively. But when, when the units, the pieces are working together as they are supposed to, they create a bigger outcome than the individual pieces can on their own. When we use our gifts, the way that we are supposed to, the result of those gifts within this body of people becomes so much bigger than the individual uses of those gifts. But too often, in our, in our minds, We've decided and concluded, we've been taught, we've been encouraged to use our gifts sort of isolated from other people. Use them on your own. Use them out there when you're, when you're doing your own thing. But they're intended to be used within this body and for this body of people. As we talk about purpose and use of gifts, let's just define what we mean by both of those. The purpose of the gifts is maturity within the body of believers. Now, that might mean 
reaching out to people who aren't believers so that, in, case, or in the case of people having the gift of evangelism, so that they come into the body of believers so that they can become mature in Christ. That is the goal. That is the purpose of the gifts. To build God's kingdom by extension of the gospel, whether it's that gospel to save people or that gospel to grow people. The use of those gifts is primarily within the body of believers. Like we said, there is some reaching out, but the reaching out is to bring them in. The use of the gifts is intended to be within the body of believers. So if you have the gift of hospitality, you should use it at least primarily within the body of believers. Do not read too much into that. I'm not at all saying that there's not elements to where we have other people around. You invite people into your home who aren't believers. Yes, you should. That would be great. But the primary use of our gifts is within this body of people. So as we go through today, next week, and the next weeks, ask yourself that question. As you see your gift, are you using it within the body of people God has put you in? Some of you here are guests, and there are your family members of people who are regularly here. So you're not going to use your gift in this location the same way. But are you utilizing your gift within your body of people for their benefit? Using it toward those people or using it toward yourself or only toward people who are outside the faith. Romans chapter, four, or chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Uh, this whole series is, is going to be largely predicated on Romans 12, 3 to 8. Today we're just going to take a quick look at verses 4 and 5. For as... In one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We need to hold that in perspective. We, collectively, are one body. We need to function as though we understand that collectively we are one body. When we use our gifts, we use it for the benefit of our body. We don't just pick and choose, oh, I want my gift to be used toward this one person. As a body, we function to benefit everyone. Back to the 1 Corinthians 12, 7 passage we used, we used last week. We, are to, we each have a manifestation of the gifts used for the common good. The common good of whom? The common good of this body of people that we've been put in. We're going to look at Rome, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 20 later, where it specifically talks about one body, us being one body. But we are to use our gifts for the common good. Not saying, 
I only care about this one person. There may be times where our gift is particularly pointed at the aid of one person. But as a general rule, we take and we use our gifts for the common good. What is best for the whole group of people? Just imagine, not just as Bethel, but collectively within our society, what life would be like if we made decisions based on what was best for the whole group instead of just the individuals. That's not a political statement. Do not hear it politically. What if here at Bethel, we made all of our decisions to the best that we could for the benefit of everybody? I'm not saying we don't or we don't intend to, but in our own brokenness, and we always must hold our own brokenness in our minds, in our own brokenness, we are selfish creatures. And we will, by nature of that brokenness, choose what is best for me, choose what's best for our own selves. But what would happen if we collectively, consistently made choices predicated on just one question or two questions? What honors God the most by benefiting his people collectively the most? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're specifically looking at verses 11 to 16 today. And we're going to see a, an initial list or one of the lists of spiritual gifts. Uh, this is a list unlike most other places. But I think there's a, a way to look at this. As we look at this Romans 12 passage about the gifts, we're going to see what appears to be groups of gifts. Uh, it, he doesn't break the gifts into all their own individual little pieces. Paul does that in other places. But in Romans 12, he breaks it into prophecy and teaching and serving, sort of big category things. In Ephesians chapter 4, he gives us what appear to be a breakdown of the leadership gifts out of Romans chapter 12. And these are, these are leadership gifts in that they are all leading people towards something. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, and he gave, God, Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, back to the whole body idea, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when every part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Uh, those leadership gifts, 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Those are all gifts that individuals would have that would be reaching out to large swaths of people to help them grow and develop. Those with the gift of evangelism, reaching out to those who aren't believers, but to lead them toward Christ, not to save them, but to bring them to a place where the Holy Spirit would save them. It's important to never put the focus on us for salvation or for growth. That is the work of the Spirit. But we reach out in that role. We reach out as shepherds. We reach out as teachers, as apostles, as the prophets would to lead big groups of people towards something. Those are the gifts of leadership, at least in an element to the gifts of leadership. What do we learn there? We get a particular look into the purpose and use of those gifts. And when we understand the purpose and use of those gifts and then what the result is of those gifts, at least for me, it completely changes the way I understand the role of every person. So what is the role of these gifts? What do they do? If it's too abstract to think in terms of prophets and teachers, or apostles and prophets and teachers and shepherds and pastors, just think in terms of leadership structure here at Bethel. You've got the elders. Under the elders come every other component of ministry at Bethel. So let's just think elders for a moment. Not, not in particular, but just imagine that instead of this list of gifts. So instead of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, think leaders here, think elders. They, God gave us them to equip the saints. For what? Well, before we even answer the for what, let's talk about this idea of equipping. What is the role of those people? To give the tools necessary to the people in this family that they wouldn't necessarily otherwise have or to help refine the gifts that they have. So the leadership of Bethel, their job is not to dictate. Our job is not to demand. Our job is to equip. To equip the broader group of people so that the gifts that they have can be either refined or, I don't quite want to say created because the Spirit creates the gifts in us, but brought to light or refined, developed. What does that mean they're not doing? Everything else beyond that. The easiest thing as a body of people, the easiest thing for us to say is, we hired Brock to do that. Those are the simplest things to say. People need, oh, this there's a group of people, they need somebody to visit them. We hired Brock to do that. Oh, there's evangelism that has to take place. We hired Brock to do that. Oh, we need somebody to teach this class. We hired Brock to do that. Oh, we need somebody to help lead a board. We hired Brock to do that. 
Now, some of those things I can do. All of those? Not enough hours in the day. Because there's a lot of things that I have to do that aren't even mentioned in the things already stated. What is my role? My role is to be the mouthpiece for the elders as the elders seek to equip this body of people. For what? So we keep talking about this, equipping the body of people, but what are we equipping the body of people for? Back to Ephesians 4. We equip the body of people for uh, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So who is supposed to be ministering to the body? Me, said every person in this room. And me not being Brock. Every person in this room, every person who's part of Bethel and not in this room, their job, based on the scripture, is to minister to one another as the leaders of this body of people help develop your gifts so that you can do that in the most effective way possible. Is that how we normally think of gifts? Maybe. It's not how I'm naturally inclined to think of gifts. I'm more naturally inclined to think of gifts as people use stuff every once in a while when it's most convenient for them so that they can gain some benefit out of it. But that's not what it is for. We equip the saints for the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. How long does this go? It goes until we are all mature. That's how we use our gifts. We use them in whatever way our particular gift is usable for the unity of the body and for the maturing of the body. How do you know how to use your gift? In part, that's what this sermon series is on, but there's not enough time for us to just break down every single possibility. So what conclusion that we came to in this last week is that we are going to offer a growth group class starting next quarter. So starting March 17th is when they actually start. Starting March 17th, we're going to have a new growth group quarter on the spiritual gifts. So if you're interested in that, somebody will be leading a class particularly geared toward what are the spiritual gifts and how do we use each one of those to its right scriptural use. And we'll try to figure out what each other's gifts are. Now, an easy thing to say, an easy trap to fall into, I should say, is that we start to view our roles as so narrow, our gifts as so particular, that we say, oh, that's somebody else's gift, I don't have to do that. Who is supposed to be exhorting one another? the person with the gift of exhortation. 
and the rest of us. It just means to encourage one another. Oh, I don't have to be encouraging. That's that person's gift. Well, that one's kind of silly because nobody says that. But you know what people do say? I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't have to do that. That's what that person's gift is for. Timothy is a great example. Timothy had lots of gifts, lots of abilities. Paul had put him in a role where he was to develop a group of people and elder them. Not just elder them, but appoint elders in this big, big region for the churches to develop the best they could. Paul writes this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. What that appears here is that ministry and evangelism, in the case of Timothy, are not one-to-one equatable. So he reminds them, though your gift is not evangelism. We're reading between the lines here a little bit. Though your gift is not evangelism, though your ministry is that of developing a church and developing its elders, do the work of an evangelist. Still be proselytizing, sharing your faith to the people around you, which is exactly what we're looking for here at Bethel. Right? We desire for Bethel to be a place where people can heal so that together we can grow for the purpose of sharing the gospel, of outreach to our community. That outreach to our community is not limited to a certain subset of people. It's led by those with the gifts of evangelism, but it is not isolated to them. They are the ones to lead the rest of us, to equip us so that we can do the ministry. A really interesting thing comes out of this idea of gifts out of Ephesians, and that is that the leaders equip so that other people can do ministry. What does that mean the leaders need? people who need to be equipped and who can do the ministry. And what does this group need? Needs leaders to equip them. God created a system of need. Not one person other than Jesus was created to fulfill all of these roles. And I might even argue that Jesus wasn't intended to fill all of these roles. Not to their fullest That's why he had his disciples. That's why he took time away from other people. That's why other people led things and did things. He sent the 72 out. He didn't go to 72 places. But in this, he creates a need for us on other people. Creates a need for us for other people. We're all insufficient on our own. James tells us in James chapter 4 that we are to be humble 
For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That comes back to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Right? When we have our gifts and we understand that God gave us gifts with the intent that we would need other people because we are insufficient in our own, on our own, then it puts us in a spot where humility should be normal. It's still not natural, but it's the normal result. This need is not just this one place we're told that we have a need. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 11 to 13 contains a verse that many of us know. If two lie together, they keep warm, but if, but if you're alone, but can keep one keep warm alone? I can't read. But can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And though better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew he needed, knew how to take advice. This need for other people, it's intrinsic to who we are, not just in our spiritual gifts, but in life. Take us back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It's in the middle of the creation and everything is perfect. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. The first not good thing there was, I will make a helper fit for him. Because even without sin, he is in need. When we use our gifts, we need the people around us as we utilize their gifts, which means you are of particular importance to the ministry that's happening at Bethel. We can't do this without these people. And I say these people because it's all the people around you, all the people who are part of Bethel. I'm not a motivational speaker but about as close as I'm ever going to get is to say that we need you to use the gifts God gave you so that the ministry at Bethel can flourish the way it is supposed to. We have a chance to be, to be part of something bigger than just ourselves. First Corinthians chapter 12 Verses 14 to 20 gives us the idea of a body, an actual physical body. And Paul recognizing that what is easy to have happen is this, it is easy for us to think, I'm not in X role, so I'm not needed. I'm not important. You are not more important than you think. Okay? You are not more important than you are, but you are important. I am not more important than I think. I am not more important than I actually am. I am supposed to be a servant of Christ using whatever gifts he's given me to further his kingdom no part of the body can say, because I'm not in a different role, I'm not important. Because I'm not in that role, 
I'm not part of the body. Every single part of your body is part of your body. When they took my pinky, they did not say, hey, we took a pinky. They said, we took your pinky. Your pinky was smushed. So we cut off your pinky. Nobody presumed it wasn't actually part of my body. But when we talk body of Christ, sometimes we feel like I'm not the one up front speaking or I'm not the one seen doing things. Maybe I'm not really important. Maybe I'm not really part. No, you are. And we cannot accomplish the work of ministry that God has for us without your gifts being utilized to do that. God created a system of need for his gifts so that we as his people could recognize that we're not good enough, strong enough, capable enough on our own so that we would recognize that we need each other so that we can appreciate the gifts that God gave them so that we could see the body functioning together, building itself up in love as we all work as we are supposed to, as the leaders equip and the people minister. Why? Because the use and purpose of our gifts is to build up those around us so that they would be more mature in Christ. Whatever your gift, wherever you can use it, use it to benefit someone else. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for allowing us to know you and follow you, to be like you, to honor you. We pray, Father, that our hearts will be more and more turned toward you all the time, that our gifts would be more and more used to your benefit all the time. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen.